Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hello, this is Michael Adams from Nothing But The Truth. It's, uh, once again, it's it's March 21st, 2015. And uh, I'm with uh, Ryan Taylor. And uh, we're going to have a discussion about why Christians need to hear the gospel. And uh, this is um, something, you know, that I've been wrestling with, folks. You know, if anybody's been paying attention to what's been going on the past month in my, I guess, my progression and coming to uh, a realization and an awareness that uh, the simple gospel of Jesus Christ is the answer um, me coming to accept the Trinity. Um, and what do I do with all this? Because, you know, I'm in a situation, you know, started out this show and thought I was a serving God. I realize now that God, this show has been all about God working on me, waking me up and real, teaching me what is really important, uh, that Jesus is, is what is important and that... Uh, I don't know. I'm so exhausted. I was telling Ryan earlier. We were just talking. Said, you know, I'm just. It's, I'm so exhausted. I'm so tired. Um, and not just because of my, uh, my health issues, but this this whole journey and um, the, the humbling process that it's been to come to terms and accept, well, come to God's terms, accept His terms, and. Um, so Ryan is generously, uh, he's, he's been going through this a lot longer than me. He's a few steps ahead of me in this journey um, to come on board and to share with us why as Christians we need to hear the gospel, what the, what the gospel really is. Um, and I, uh, I have, I'm full of mixed emotions and, and feelings but, and, and, uh, uh, it, it has been a it's been a heck of a journey, and I don't know where to go from here. Now, I really don't know what to do with the, the show. But uh, first of all, Ryan, thank you for being on the show. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna waste any time as far as going on to Yahoo and doing any headlines, reading the articles, because I feel that this issue is more important than you know um, the, the uh, machinations and the, the failures and the foibles of the Roman Catholicism. Um, this issue is much more important. This is the real issue. This is the real truth. This is the real answer. What do we do? So, anyways, Ryan, thank you. Mm-hmm. How are you doing, man? Good, good. Thank you. Yeah, I, well, I, I, I hear you there. I mean, you know, essentially what you just, what you just said. I mean, that's why Christians need to hear the gospel because. I mean, whether you get on Yahoo News or whether you dive into history books and realize what his, historic Christianity has been screaming, you know, at us for a long time, um, 
I mean, really, even you can even just go to the basic, ordinary, everyday life. You know, job. You know, uh, parent. You know, uh, you know, sibling. You know, whatever. Even those things wear us down. And uh, and Christians need to hear the gospel. Need to be reminded of the gospel. Uh, I mean, uh, th- it is the most important thing because. Even though our flesh, you know, here and now, what we see, what we feel, what we, you know, all this, uh, I guess, what uh, the way that the Bible kind of puts it is, you know, this is our perceived danger, you know, uh, uh, falling off a cliff or, you know, you know, uh, dying tomorrow. I mean, to, to us, to our flesh, this is our perceived danger, you know, and then, but the reality is, is the actual danger, the real danger is spiritual. And it's spiritually discerned, you know, and uh, we're either, you know, dead in our trespasses and sin, which is what we're all born into. So we're all, that's how we all come into this world because, you know, of sin. Um, but then we're reborn, you know, we're, we're brought to life. We're, we're raised from the dead spiritually to, to life. And we need to be reminded of that because we still sin. You know, we're still learning. Uh, we're, we're described as children you know, all throughout Scripture, you know, belonging to God, yes, but, but also not, you know, not elevated to, you know, the, 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 the status or the level of, you know, having figured it all out, you know, and, <laughs> and yeah. being able to sit next to God, you know, peer to peer, you know, or, you know, like we're on the same level or something like that. We, we're, we don't, we are created beings. God created us. And he created us in such a way that we depend upon him. You know, even those who deny God, that believe it or not, you know, because of his grace, uh, even if it's not eternal, you know, they, the, the fact that they even enjoy anything in this life is because of his grace. You know, and, uh, and you know, that what we have to warn people about is you know, the actual danger, the real danger versus the perceived. But God hasn't just left us hanging there either. You know, this is the great thing about, you know, the Bible, his word, that, you know, the fact that we can rely on it, that it's the authority, you know, over us as Christians and as believers, you know, we follow his word, we, you know, sola scriptura, we fully depend upon his word alone, you know, and uh, we'll, we'll get into these, some of these passages, you know, uh, tonight, you know, but I, I guess just to kind of get us started here, when we're broken down, uh, whether it be spiritually speaking, you know, which is the part that actually matters to God, but even when physically, you know, whether we're, you know whether we're going through something physical or just dealing with life, God hasn't left us alone to figure that out for ourselves either. He's actually promised us that you know that by feeding the Spirit, that by encouraging and edifying one another, you know, with His promises that come from His Word, not from my imagination, not from you know, my uh, well-intended thoughts, but from his words, when I tell you his words, uh, even, you know, you can have assurance in this life, even in the flesh, you can be encouraged by it. And, you know, this is why Christians need to hear the gospel, because, you know, whether it be persecution or suffering or our own trials and tribulations through, you know, our sins or the sins of other people, you know, we need to be encouraged with the gospel. And, People, a lot of times for, you know, this is, this is the thing that I am super stuck on right now and, uh, and it's super burdened with, 
is, you know, just thinking of the gospel as something in the rear view mirror, something that, you know, oh, yeah, I said that prayer way back when, you know, or uh, even worse, you know, I, I made that decision for Jesus, you know, a long time ago, and, you know, I, I need something more, you know, I need something more right now. Right. And yet the Bible tells us over and over again, Paul, how many times did he remind us throughout the epistles that, that the gospel is what brings us back to reality? <laughs> you know, it brings us not only back into reconciliation with God and the reality of situation, but it's our constant encouragement to the end, all the way to the end of our life, you know, whether it be tomorrow or the end of the age, you know, it, Either way, it's going to go all the way. It, his word and the gospel are going to be preserved all the way to the end, and that's for our encouragement. That's for our edification. That and so, so might as well dive in. You know, what is the gospel? You know, the, the Bible doesn't leave us hanging there. You know, and so when you when you hear people say, well, you know, it's uh, it's this or that. It's uh, finding your purpose in this life, or uh, the gospel is you know keeping. Uh, you know, God's now given you, uh, you know, the desire to keep his law perfectly or something, you know, or, uh, and I'm trying to go back and forth here. I'm trying to kind of go with some of the liberal side or some of the kind of the legalistic side, you know, the, yeah. uh, trying to go back and forth here. It's, uh, you know, or maybe it's, you know, just, uh, being thinking positive and, uh, you know, living healthy, wealthy, and, you know, happy and, or uh, let's go back to the other side, you know, uh, uh, again, you know, meeting God halfway, um, you know, and, and wherever I fall short, he'll just kind of pick up the pieces for me. You know, that that's not the gospel. The gospel is this, is that Christ bled and died for the forgiveness of sins. And see, for a sinner, that means everything, because not just in the flesh, but spiritually speaking, we know we fall short. We know that we can't achieve perfection, you know, I mean, an issue for me is, you know, my wife and I were looking for a, a faithful church, you know, and the temptation for us is to find the perfect church, you know, and as if we couldn't, as if what God hasn't taught me in the past year or so, you know, couldn't actually edify, you know, uh, is there such a thing? Is there such a thing as the perfect church? I'm coming to realize, uh, at least from my observation, there's no such thing. It's just more no. prideful. It's a prideful endeavor, and it's uh, what it's about me. Will I, you know, uh, I look at the, the my search for that right church, that right situation. It really is all about me, about what I can get out of the situation. What I find is basically based on my own standards. And uh, going back to what you're saying, you know, that none of us are perfect, that we're all fallen, that we're sinners. It's an inevitable situation at this point, I realize, is that there is no perfect church. And, you know, there's no perfect situation. And people say, well, is it home churching? Or is it, you know, a church that's not ecumenical or a church that doesn't, that, that is this furthest removed from Romanism? Or if it's a church that's non uh, future dispensationalism, or you know, whatever it may be, I can't find the perfect church. Every single one of them, uh, it teaches basically, if we want to be honest, heresy at some level. Um, and so, what do I do? 
Because, you know, if I like, start, start my own church, well, that's awfully prideful. And it's like, I've already seen what that results. And, and, and uh, I, I'm not saying it's not a good thing for people to have home church, but there's something about the corporate church I'm starting to realize that is a necessity for us. Whatever that is, I'm not sure yet. But then again, it's about me becoming humble enough to just kind of be led by God, you know, the spirits, and where can he use me, I guess, you know. I mean, this the answer certainly is not what I'm doing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. I, 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 feel, I feel the same way in, in, in the sense that, you know, I, I mean, I've looked in the home church. I've looked into, you know, which denomination do I, you know, do I... And look, I mean, I will say this since since we are having this conversation publicly, you know, it's important to find a historic, you know, I, I would even say you and I were talking about this, you know, off air, but I would find a confessional, reformed, you know, uh, historic, and they might. Okay, they what, might what, even, what does that mean, confessional? Well, confessional meaning, you know, throughout the past, you know, two thousand years. You know the the church, the universal church, and, and that you know they they would describe themselves you know as lowercase c, you know not Roman Catholic. You know we know that 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 counterfeit you know Christianity is prophesied in the Bible, and I, I know you've covered this on your show, but the very you know Church of Antichrist, you know, and again this isn't opposing the individual people, but this is opposing the prophetic fulfillment of you know, what the Bible outlines, in that sense, you know, we're not, we're not talking about Catholicism, Roman Catholicism. We're talking about Catholicism, lowercase c, as was written by our, that's what, that's just the term they used. You know, I, right. I didn't come up with it. That's how they wrote it. Lowercase c, Catholic, universal church. It, they, because of, you know, the Bible and it's, it, their limited access to it at times, you know, not all the time, but at times, uh, including up to the Reformation, they they just essentially took what the Bible said and, you know, uh, uh, agreed as a body upon the simplest way to put that so they could share that amongst, you know, believers as far and wide as they could. And that, that primarily came after the persecution, you know, of the early church, you know, after Christ ascended and the apostles and disciples were being, you know, martyred and persecuted. And they suffered through that, you know, for quite a while, and uh, as they, as the church and the gospel grew and just, I mean, leaps and bounds, like, unbelievable. The gospel went far and wide, and, and as just as Christ said it would, it over, I mean, it just spread all over the world. And uh, again, you know, the Bible has always been available to God's people. It, it, that, it has always been present. And throughout dark periods in our, in, in history, whether under persecution or whatnot, confessionals, you know, have been how the church has kind of, you know, kind of simplified things, you know. I mean, it's, it's just good, I mean, even for teaching your, your children or whatever, you know, these, uh, these simple confessions. Now, obviously, the Roman Catholic Church has their version, you know, Presbyterians have theirs, you know, Baptists, you know, they have theirs. Um, and those kind of all came after uh, the splits and all that kind of, you know, it's, it, let me, can I put it this way since I just went down that road? Let me put it this way. Okay. Even in the Old Testament with the different tribes of Israel, and, you know, there's always been 
you will hear Jesuits and, uh, and, you know, atheists and, you know, secularists and all, they will criticize Christianity because there's so many denominations. But just in simply reading your Bible, you will find that because we are sinful beings, because man is sinful by nature, we have constantly come in and out of division, you know, and it's only by God's grace that he kind of resets us and reunifies us. The Reformation is a great example of that. You know, the early church with, you know, the disciples and the apostles, it's a great example of that. We see Israel being restored over and over and over again in the Old Testament by God's grace, not by their law-keeping. They were totally, like, gone. You know, they were way off in their idolatry, way off into their, you know, their sins, and God would restore them. He would allow them to suffer the consequences, but he would restore them by his grace. So the division isn't because of Protestants, you know, or any specific one denomination. The division is because man is sinful, and by nature, he wants to rebel against God's word. And that's why, you know, you're not going to find the perfect church in the sense of man keeping everything perfectly, because our standard is Christ. You know, he is the, uh, he's the, 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 the staff stuck down in the desert ground that we are all to fix our eyes upon. You know, I mean, in other words, the, the, the church is perfect in this sense, that Christ has remained faithful to his people in preserving his word and the gospel as he promised. So in that sense, you know, we're, we're, we're made perfect by him keeping that true even to this day. You know, and, and, and it does appear to be a dark hour, no doubt about it. I mean, the apostasy is pretty big right now, and it is going to be harder to find a faithful church. But I can tell you this, there are, they are out there, you know, or, you know, uh, you know, if they're not like right down your street or something like that, you know, God has solutions that he provides for us in his word to deal with these type of situations. You know, and we have the historic body of Christ that has dealt with this, you know, before as well. And part of that, to answer your question, is things like confessions, you know. Um, here's what we agree upon, you know. Uh, and, you know, they, you have the Westminster Confession, you know, the, the London Baptist uh, Confession. So these are all Protestant confessions, and they, okay. they really don't deviate much from one another. But you want to find a church that I recommend a historic, you know, confessional reformed church, you know, that where you're going to hear God's word faithfully preached. And unfortunately in our time, you might have to walk into a church and say, you know, and, uh, you know, you know, uh, you might even, you know, have to say like, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not looking for antichrist. I, he's been revealed to us through, throughout history and throughout the Bible. And I might be a stunner to some people or, depending on the church, you may even get, you know, in trouble for it. But, but that doesn't matter to us because, you know, the truth is the truth. And, we, and we're, we're looking for, you know, when we look for fellowship and all that, if we're looking to, to, uh, to have somebody model for us perfectly, you know, everything that we think is right or that we want or something like then we're looking at the wrong person. You know, Christ is the perfect example, and he's revealed to us in Scripture and so that's why we want to find a church, if, if possible. And I, I will say, I have not yet found one. I, I know of a couple of good churches in my, in my area, but because of my conscience and my convictions regarding a few things that are very common today, you know, such as, you know, futurism and 
dispensationalism and all that, and even the holidays, which, you know, these are all, I mean, these are all hot topics, you know, in the church. And uh, because of my wife and I's convictions, and uh, we just simply, we can't go against our historic brothers and sisters in Christ in, in, in that regard. I mean, you know, they, they held to abstaining from, you know, uh, holy days or holidays, as they're called now, and they abstain for the, the, the sake of the gospel, preserving the gospel, defending the gospel. And, uh, I, you know, I, I'm sure that most of this has been covered and stuff, and I don't want to bunny trail too much away from, you know, but, yes, I'm, I tend to ramble. I tend to, you know, go okay. on and on and on. But confessional, confessional is just, you know, a way of saying that you're going to find, you know, that they believe in the doctrines of grace, that they, you know, hold to, you know, um, Reformation or pre-Reformation, uh, you know, confessionals. All the, I mean, all the way back to, you know, the the first, second, and, excuse me, first, second, and third centuries. You know, some of these creeds and confessions were, you know, uh, you know, and again, we're we're talking about in opposition to, uh, you know, Roman Catholicism, which, you know, you know, uh, clearly, even to this day, teaches, you know, works by, you know, uh, uh, or salvation by works. And, and now they've kind of guised that, you know, they've kind of disguised that. And they, now they say, you know, well, no, 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 we, we believe in salvation by grace, but unto good works, you know, in other words, if you're, if you're not, you know, if you're not, you know, having good works in your life, then, you know, that just, that means you're not saved. Or, or, or let's go off of uh, the, the Roman Catholic, you know, confessions. You know, their catechism says if you're not a member of one of their churches, then you're not saved, and so on and so forth. And again, I don't want to bunny trail here, but why do we why do we need to find a good church? Because you know, this isn't uh, the gospel isn't a selfish thing. You know, it's not just meant for us. Although when we our eyes are open to it, when we hear it, you know, uh, on a daily basis in reading scripture or you know hearing faithful preaching, you know. Uh, it's not a selfish thing. It's not just for us, but it, but it certainly hits us personally. It certainly, you know, cuts through our individual heart and, and gets right, you know, it, gets, it hits right through to us. I mean, I, I know that, you know, being forgiven my sins, you know, is is just an unbelievably, I mean, an unbelievable act of mercy on God's part because I, I, I know what my sins are, you know, and I, I, I've, even the secret ones that others don't know about. You know, those, God has revealed even those, and, and, and it, it, it humbles us to know that we have his forgiveness. And so, but it, it's not just for us, you know. It's meant to uh, edify one another. You know, remember when Paul said that no scripture is given for private, you know, one's personal interpretation, you know, it, that it, it's specifically the God's word, the Bible, and what we understand about it is for you know, the church. It's for his people. And uh, so we, you know, we having, you know, uh, known, uh, come to learn, I, I should say, come to learn historic Christianity and what they taught and what they defended, well, you know, in a sense, it's a privilege, but it's a responsibility as well, you know, and, and we need to handle it rightly because knowing who, for example, knowing who Antichrist is or knowing the doctrines of grace or, you know, so on and so forth, those things must come with the gospel in order to be effective. Because when you take them out, then it just becomes a whip. 
you know, just all this information, all this uh, knowing and learning all this, you know, stuff, you know, I mean, and you'll never, you'll never learn it all. You'll never learn it all. You, I mean, you can dig and dig and dig and dig, and it can simply just be a whip. You know, it can just convict you. It can, it, I mean, it not only can convict you, it can, you know, drive you further and further into self-righteousness or trying to please God through, you know, the more you know, the more you learn, or the better you keep, you know, the law or something like that. Or even, Where do you, you end know, up right then? Even if I could say with the show and with myself and others are on it, that they became the... Uh, our religion, the religion of exposing the Antichrist. Now, I know that's going to offend people if they listen to this show, um, and they have been, and, but um, it is the truth. I mean, I look at myself and how far I was driven away from the simple truths of the gospel, grace alone, faith alone, the scripture alone, you know, these things that are basics. Uh, and I spent all my energy and my time exposing the Antichrist is somehow that, in a way, it was a works-based type situation where uh, somehow if I do this, somehow I'm going to be rewarded or that I'm going to... This makes me the Christian of today. And uh, I'm starting to realize that... Uh, I mean, it's, it's not a... Look, it is... I think it's important to expose Rome... Uh, and, and definitely is a false religion, and it's been responsible for an all heck of a lot of misery in this planet. But uh, to be honest with you, it's making me miserable just doing it. So I don't know what to do at this point. Well, um, that that's you know I, I would put it this way, Michael. It's not just important. We're commanded. You know, Scripture commands us to speak against uh, false Christs, false gospels. So. Speaking against Rome is just one example of what we're commanded to do. So it's not only important, but I have to preface, I have to, I mean, clearly, Paul, uh, as inspired, you know, as indwelt by God, the Holy Spirit, telling us this. So this is God telling you and I and every believer in Christ this very thing, that we are also commanded above anything else, above all other commands, to preach Christ and Him crucified to the world. To every creature. Now, what is the purpose in knowing the gospel? And by the way, this will by default expose the false gospel. But the purpose in knowing the gospel in Christ's forgiveness, that he bled and died so that you could be forgiven all your sins. There is no sin too mighty for God. You know? And man by nature is a cult factory. Now, John Calvin, he said, by nature man is an idolatry factory. And I, you can just turn that into the word cult. By nature, a man wants to find the perfect religion so that he can be pleasing to God. That is, by nature, what we want to do when we've been convicted by our sin. God has written the law upon every person's heart. So when an atheist says, oh, I don't believe in God, he's lying. He totally believes in God. He's convicted by it, but he's hiding behind disbelief. He's hiding behind, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just say God doesn't exist. Okay, well, then take another false religion or even a cult or something like that. You know, what I'm getting at, Michael, is we all are guilty of it to some degree. And, and man has always been guilty of it to some degree. This is why, now we get to the answer, this is why Christ came and bled and died and was 
confirmed by God, it was his, his stamp of approval upon Christ's sacrifice, that he rose him from the dead, physically. He literally rose him from the dead, and there were over 500 eyewitnesses who saw it and accounted it for us. Outside of Scripture even, but we don't need the accounts outside of Scripture. We know that what's in Scripture is trustworthy, but there are even historical accounts outside of Scripture that can account for it. And my point is this, is that only God, the Holy Spirit, can open your eyes to see that in the first place. And for what purpose? Why must we know the Gospel? It's not just for the forgiveness of sins, although that will move us to tears, some of us, so it'll bring us to our knees. It'll, it'll, you know, like the woman who, who, who washed, you know, Christ's feet, you know, with her tears in her hair. You know, that, it'll, that is what his forgiveness will bring us to. But more than that, it will reveal who God is to us. The whole purpose of the gospel and his forgiveness is so that we can know our Father in heaven, that we can know him. What does Jesus say to those who say, Lord, Lord, we've done all these things in your name. Now, that's every religion in the world. That is what, that is, you, Roman Catholic, that is literally Roman Catholicism, but not just, not just one. There are, there are Protestants who are, who, who are now taking the law and, and kind of, you know, wrapping it in some pretty bows and some, you know, spraying some perfume on it and making it sound like the gospel. You know, so they're just as guilty. But, but listen, they say, Lord, Lord, we've done all these things in your name. We have done. They're not claiming the completed work of Christ and what he's done. But, but you notice Jesus' answer, his reply to them when he prophesied, what he told us he would say in that day? He, said, he doesn't say, oh, you know, but you didn't do good enough or, you know, something like that. He simply says, depart from me, I never knew you. The issue isn't whether or not we love Christ or that, you know, uh, that, you know, we claim him or that we, you know, we do all these things for him. The issue is, is, is God revealing to you through the Holy Spirit by bringing you to the cross, by bringing you to Christ, that you belong to him, that you are his, that you can know God the Father, you can be reconciled with him that you can know him and follow after him for, and not just in this life, but for all of eternity, because the great thing is the hope we have in us is that one day we will know him as he is. That basically meaning without our sin to contend with, without this flesh, this dead body that we're, that our spirit is carrying around until he returns, until he resurrects us from the dead, the hope we have is that for all of eternity, we will get to know an infinite God. So it won't ever get boring, by the way, but he is an infinite God. We will, we will get to know him as he is. And right. that is why we know, that is what the purpose of the gospel is. is it's, it's to have forgiveness, but that forgiveness is, is to bring us to knowing who Christ is, because what he's telling you, what he's saying to us in Scripture, is that we belong to him, that we are his. And that we heard his voice, not because we chose him. You know, what, what, what slave chooses his master? What child chooses to be born of his parents, right? Or even reborn, for that fact. Remember when Jesus was telling Nicodemus, you must be reborn? Nicodemus is like, what? So I, I go back into my mother's womb? Like, how does that work? You know, and Jesus says, no, this is, this is something born of the Spirit. Now, I can go and ask, I just had my third child about a month ago. Uh, you know, 
and I could go downstairs right now and ask him, so when did you choose to be born, son? Now, he's just going to look at me, might spit up a little bit, you know? But see, <laughs> God God willed it. And, and sometimes we have to go through some junk. For me, I went around the mountain for quite a while, you know? And God allowed this to bring me to the point where I realized that my self-righteousness isn't enough. Okay, so I'm rambling now. Okay, so we, we know the gospel is the fact that Christ bled and died for the forgiveness of sins, and this is what we are to preach. This, we are ambassadors of that message, of the gospel, okay? Now let's, now, let's point out our responsibility, the command that, that God and Christ has given us to call out the difference. Now, the purpose in that is uh, it's, it's offensive, you know, meaning it's, uh, it's on offense, but it's also defensive, you know, it's, uh, it's a, like a self-defense. You know, it's a defense of the gospel, but also a proclamation of it, an advancing of it. And uh, it's simply blowing, uh, I, I put it this way, it's simply blowing the trumpet. You know, God is victorious. Christ is seated at the right hand of God until he returns to judge the living and the dead. In other words, he is successful. And by nature, that means that anyone who claims, you know, victory or anyone who claims you know, Christ, lo, he is there, lo, he is over here, you know, he's somewhere out in the desert, you know. Uh, they'll claim all these things about him, and just simply by nature of preaching the gospel, you are exposing that. And so the Reformers weren't opposing Antichrist just for the sake of opposing Antichrist. They, at, at first, having been Roman Catholic themselves, many of them, they realized who was opposing the gospel, and then God opened their eyes to understand that he fulfilled, as Christians before him, hundreds of years before Martin Luther and John Calvin, even recognized the papacy to, to fit that mold, you know, to, to literally fit not just the mold, the prophecy. So that being said, by nature of opposing the gospel, they begin to say, hey, he fits the, he fits the prophecy that Scripture writes about. He, he is Antichrist. He is the embodiment. Now, that that to that to us is just mind blowing because we've been pulled away from that. But it does no good to know it without knowing Christ. And by nature, knowing Christ is automatically going to compel someone to recognize where this garbage is coming. This false gospel and false, you know, mysticism and you know, purpose driven, blah blah blah. All those different types of the prosperity you know, gospel, which is no gospel at all. All that garbage comes, stems from the embodiment of anti-Christianity, and by the way, anti meaning replacing. So if you're replacing Christ with either your own self-righteousness or, you know, uh, your, you know, insert something here, uh, that is anti-Christian. You, you, we cannot replace the gospel with our own strategies of taking on the world. You know, or our even our own. We have to fully depend upon Christ and believe that God is sovereign and is ruling and reigning as He sees fit. And and by the way, we're, we're told in the New Testament that part of you know people falling into their fables and their vain imaginations and their you know basically their own forms of the go false gospels and false Christ is a judgment of God. You know, in fact, He sends a delusion Himself. You know that they might that they might believe a lie. That, that, to me, that's worse than the Philistines, okay? That's worse than God sending the Canaanites after you. That God is simply giving you over to your, your own heart 
and that is the judgment of God. So when we look around our world today, we can certainly say one thing, God is judging man. But what, what, how does our strategy change from historic Christianity or from confessional, you know, or from the, the arms and the, the, the legs and the eyes of the church, you know, the body of Christ before us? They didn't change their strategy according to culture or nation or, you know, male or female. No, they simply preached the gospel and defended the gospel. And when somebody said the gospel was this, they said, nope, it's this, according to Scripture alone. And that is the gospel is this, is that God chose you, he opened your eyes, you know, it's by, and, it's, and it's through the completed work of Christ that he did all those things on your part. So you're, you're feeling down, you're feeling burdened by all this stuff. Well, the law is, when properly applied, is to bring us to Christ. It's meant to say, hey, Christ, like, I depend upon you and your word, and you must reveal everything to me. Uh, you must reveal to me the answers, because if I try in my own strength, I will come up with a golden calf. You know? Sure. I need you, and I need your comfort to know. I need to trust you that the Holy Spirit is able to show me. And that doesn't mean he's going to perfect you tomorrow. Like, you, you say that prayer once. And magically tomorrow, you know, starting tomorrow, you have it all figured out. No, he's going to bring you to the process he wants you to. And, and let this be a reminder that Samson, Samson is listed in Hebrews as being a man of faith. Right. Even though he did not live a, a very, you know, uh, a very, you know, appealing life as far <laughs> as Christians, you know, would, you know, oh man, he, you know, wow, what a great Christian Samson was. It, because Samson did, wasn't professing his own words. His trust was in God through the gospel, which applies even in the Old Testament of a prophesied Christ to come. So, so it's always been by faith. Sorry, go ahead. So, so back to the gospel, and I'm sorry if it's just being redundant, but is there anything more to the gospel than saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ and Scripture, Scripture wrote? Is there anything more to it? Really? I mean, um, I mean let's put it this way. Is it what uh, you know, I've been reading from uh, Matt Slick stuff, and um, you know that uh, I can't think of the name of it now. Something uh, apologetics, apologistics, uh, research, something Christian. I think it's the Christian apologistics uh, uh, research. Whatever. Anyways, um, I think the initials are C A R M. So. It's, uh, Christian Apologistics Research Ministry. Anyways, and, you know, he's got a bit of a questionable background, too. <laughs> but, uh, you know, as I've come to this point where I'm just like, where do I get the truth? I got to get it from somewhere. Um, and, you know, really, I look at the, the scriptures. I look at, you know, my hope. I, I look at uh, the futility of trying to, to live, you know, uh, I guess by what I figured it was supposed to be, like the, the Sabbath issue was something we talk about, but I realized that was a hopeless, uh, hopeless endeavor. Um, uh, but, you know, so we got grace, saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. We accept who he is, what he did for us. And then if you look at scriptures, we study the scriptures, the word of God, and all the scriptures lead to Jesus Christ is our only hope and salvation. But then we look at all these other things that are or aren't primary essentials. That's what uh, 
uh, Matt Slick calls them. There's primary essentials, secondary essentials, and then there is non-essentials. Like the Sabbath, he puts that out as a non secondary non-essential. It means it ain't going to save you, whether you keep it or not. You want to do it? That's great. That looks like a communion. Is that a, a essential uh, primary or secondary essential doctrine of Christianity? I mean, in other words, if you never took communion, would that make a difference in God's eyes? Um, well, uh, well, okay, first of all, I mean, that's a big chunk, but I, I'd put it this way. You know, the, the baptism and the Lord's Supper or communion, they were given, they were given to us. So those aren't, uh, you know, those aren't necessary for salvation. Those are gifts from God, as our salvation is, by the way. But those are gifts for us in the sense they're objective sources for us to look upon. So think of it this way. You know, in the modern age, you've got laser lights and rock music. And again, it, it isn't to say that rock music, you know, this isn't about, you know, how, whether or not we sing hymns or, or vocals only. I, I'm not trying to make that comment. What I'm saying is, is they create a circus. And they, what they do is they try and make the music appealing uh, and, you know, culturally popular. That That's that's what I mean by that. And the laser light show and all that, and they get people in and they think, you know, God is blessing us because we have a bunch of people who are here, you know, because they thought we were, you know, they thought we were a YouTube concert or something, you know, I mean, and they take pride in that. Well, okay, fine. You know, they, you, you have all that going on. The problem is, is I just lost my train of thought, Michael, because I, I had a an interruption here. So. <laughs> okay. Uh, no, we're just talking. I think we're talking about, uh, I guess, traditions, and uh, you know how well, uh, okay. they're, they're applied, right? And how they're used, used as a way of uh, the whole. Well, I, I was bring. Go ahead. So, sorry, well, it's it's my bad. Plus, I'm on a Bluetooth headset, so that makes it more fun for us. But yeah, I okay. So we we're talking about Lord's Supper baptism. These things were given to us, right? And uh, and. The reason why I brought up the churches, the modern-day churches, is just full of fluff and all this. It's very appealing to the flesh, absolutely. That's why so many people end up participating in a lot of this stuff. But if you think about it, you know, you have baptism and the Lord's Supper. These are very, these are very chastened things, you know. I mean, think about the experience of being baptized, you know. It's very powerful, spiritually speaking. It, it totally edifies us in the spirit. But physically, it's not like, you know, a roller coaster ride or, you know, a, a, a concert. It, it's very chastened, and yet it is something that God gives us, you know, objectively to look upon our baptism or upon the Lord's Supper, upon communion, and saying, you know, Christ bled and died, you know, for my forgiveness. He paid the price that was due me in baptism. I, I've been resurrected or I will be physically, you know, my body will actually be resurrected, but my spirit has been resurrected. Oh, by the way, it's funny because the part of baptism that we've been, you know, symbolized, we've been crucified with Christ, you know, and resurrected with him. Uh -huh. So, again, these are kind of, these are physical things that we experience with the Lord's Supper and with baptism, right? But they're very chastened, you know. So these are, I look at these as gifts from God for us, you know, to, to objectively look upon our baptism or upon the Lord's Supper and be reminded of Christ, 
you know, and who we are in Christ, meaning crucified with him, yet resurrected, forgiven, you know, yet still sinners, and needing his continual forgiveness until that glorious day he returns and and uh, perfects us as he's been perfected. So my point is, is I don't know, I don't, the essential, secondary, essential, third, I, you know, I, I don't know if I can follow along with all that, but I, I will say that if somebody hasn't been baptized or, you know, hasn't partaken in the Lord's Supper or something like, are those, you know, can you be saved? You know, I, I think, I think what God, what Christ was dealing with on the cross with the thief um, was, it's the inward, it's always, it's always been about the inward part of man, the spirit. Well, it's a fine example. Oh, spirit of a fine example of that, and of course you're talking about the thief on the cross, that Christ said that, um, I misquote it, but uh, today you will be with me in paradise. Um, he was saved by his, his by grace through faith in him. Salvation comes to that, but then I, I think I see that maybe it's like what uh, Matt Slick was saying in, in, about as one becomes regenerated, and I guess the proper term, that's what he says, uh, as, I guess as, as the Holy Spirit works within you, you want to do these things. These are things you want to do, um, not because they're, they're saving you, but because you're a follower in Christ and you want to do this, like take communion, you want to get baptized, um, but they're not, they don't save you, they just like you said, I guess at the end of the day, outward expressions of one's faith in Jesus Christ. Well, it's, uh, well, I, well, and I would go ahead. No, it's, it's my bad. I, I I just jumped on something you said there. You know, again, here's a great reference to historic Christianity, such as the reformers and the Protestants and the people. I mean, you know, the Waldensian Creed. You know, the the Confession of the Waldensians. You know, if if we know our history, that's you know we can go back to their even their confessions. And baptism is a, is a gift. So you know now, what has man turned it into in the modern day? You know, turned it into something that I'm doing. I'm you know I'm choosing to be baptized to proclaim to the whole world. You know, well, does is the whole world there for your baptism? <laughs> you well, know? if you, if you I mean, look at Roman Catholicism, it's uh, there's Salvatic issues. If you don't take of the partake of the Eucharist and you don't get baptized, you're not saved. Right. They, see, man turns it into you know. I, I again, just it, the baptism and the Lord. They were they were given to us. And, you know, Christ literally tells us to you know when we do this, you know, this do in remembrance of me. So He's giving this to us as a sign of His covenant. You know, of this better covenant, as Hebrews says, this new covenant. But in reality, when we look at the entirety of God's Word, we begin to realize this is how God has been dealing with us all along. You know, that there isn't these di- different dispensations or these different, you know, God has you know, changed how He's dealing with man and all that. And, you know, He certainly, you know, has been the same all throughout. And so is man, by the way. You know, man and God have not changed. Just the scenery has. And so, again, going back to baptism... You know, uh, or let's take another example: circumcision. Okay, right. if 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 you you went and circumcised your child on the eighth day out of faith, you did that out of faith because you believed in what God promised through that. Now, again, that's a type and shadow. 
So we're not being baptized because that's our declaration. That Where in the Bible does it say that? You know, be baptized so that everyone, you know, so that you can make your outward profession. Uh, God seeks those who worship him in spirit and in truth. Okay? That, that right. spirit is an invisible thing, you know, yet the fruit we bear is that we profess Christ and him crucified. So if somebody says, no, you've got to bear good fruit, well, James reminds us that in context, you know, that that is naturally what will come out of you, you know, but, all, but, but it, that's not limited to being nice to everyone or being moral. You know, being a father is a part of that. Being a, a you know, a, a husband is part of that. Being, you know, uh, serving in your vocation as a, you know, fireman or, you know, as a teacher or, or whatever your job, even a lawyer or a tax collector, hello, you know, it, right. it doesn't matter because the issue is the issue of the heart and whether or not your mouth is professing Christ and him crucified. Now, if you're doing good works, you know, uh, I, I, you know, again, going off, unless you, unless you surpass the good works, the morality of the Pharisees, you can't be saved. So that means you have to be better than, you know, Catholics who are very moral people, Mormons who are very moral people, Buddhists who, you know, are very peaceful people, very moral. You know, look, they have us beat, okay? If we're going off of morality today, <laughs> they have us beat. But see, we don't claim ourselves as the gospel. We don't claim our good works as the gospel. We don't claim baptism as, you know, the gospel. We don't, no. We claim Christ and him crucified for the forgiveness of sins. And baptism is given to believers, given to, you know, his covenant people, as a, as a, for us. It's a, it's a gift to us. And when we take the Lord's Supper, it's a, it's a reminder. When, we, when we're baptized, it's an objective thing that we get to look to to say that I have been crucified and resurrected with Christ, and I, I can set my eyes upon that. He did the same thing for Israel in, in a different way. You know, in other words, same, same principle, same truth, same Christ, you know, of the Old Testament. As in, by the way, Christ, Jesus Christ, was the same God of the Old Te- Testament manifest in the flesh. So there's no changing of God here. There's no morphing him into something else or someone else. You know, but these, these other issues are why, you know, baptism, Lord's Supper, uh, you know, Antichrist, you know, all, this is why we have to hear the gospel and right. why we have to go, go at God's word with the understanding that it's by faith we walk, not by sight, that it's the just that shall walk by faith, not the good doers, okay? It's sinners that Christ came to save, the ungodly not the religious, not the ones keeping the law perfectly or even very, very well. And then God's grace is just, you know, the other 1% or something, you know, or uh, flip it around, you know, I'm 99% bad, but God gave me 1% good, you know, or something like that. No, we are sinners. We are lepers. We're lame. We can't walk. We're blind. We can't see. We're deaf. We can't hear. We're dead like Lazarus, you know. We, We have to be completely... Uh, resurrected, and, and, and only God can do that. And so what is our mouth professing? You know, that, what is our focus on? Is it knowing Christ, or is it uh, being righteous? You know, it, does that make sense? In other words, you know, is the baptism about, you know, proclaiming, uh, uh, you know, the gospel? Well, okay, then in that case, you know, or is it, is this making sense, or am I kind of just, am I getting off track here, kind of rambling? Because, you know, no, I, I, I hear what you're saying. I, you know, it's one of those, this is how I see it. 
this, I'm, I'm going to say it in my my terms. Baptism, I think, it's like if you are convicted that you need a savior, you come to the, the belief that Jesus is that answer. He is the answer. Then I guess when I look at myself, the next step that I did is I found someone in Medela Pond and I got baptized. Where most people get baptized to join a church, I was just making what I saw, what my intentions were, was just to know my hope of being obedient to him. Period. Okay. I didn't, you know what I mean? I don't think I was, it saved me, but I think it's, uh, you know, God is bigger than uh, um, me being ducked in the water. You know what I'm saying? I, I did it for him. I did it because I believe in him. Now, other most I could tell you that when I was Mormon and I got baptized, I got baptized because I was Mormon and you're supposed to get baptized. You know what I'm saying? I was doing it because... Well, well describe... Uh, please, please, describe man. Please, please, man. I was doing it to please others and not him, not God. Not that I can please God, but this just is a way of I was showing to him... Now, I, I might be wrong with this, Ryan. I'm not saying that it was the right intentions. I'm just telling you what my intentions were. And what no, I, I, well, I told him. You know what I mean? So when I got baptized, I, I, hear you. I said, well, you know, uh, you know, we're in really, I'm in really bad shape, and I need your help, God. What do I, I, I'm going to get baptized before it's too late, before I, I, I cop out type of thing. I'm gonna, and I didn't do it to join a religion. I found somebody who, was a, somebody who believed in Jesus and said, "Hey, man, you want to baptize me?" And he said, "Yeah." So he did the next day and got baptized. Um, was it the right motive? I don't know. But that was my motive. My motive was is to to say submit. It was a way of of me submitting to God. Was it the right motive? I don't know. Was it the, the motive that, that a man should have had? I don't know. But that's the motive I had. Uh, did God recognize it? I hope. I hope he recognized well, it. Well, that was the reason why I did it. I didn't do it to join in a religion. Or to well, you, status, can, you can have... Go ahead. Sorry, man. I, I don't know if it's the Skype thing or just me being rude. I, <laughs> no, that's okay. Go ahead. I, I, I'm, not trying to inter- I'm not trying to interrupt. I, but you, you're making good points, and, or at least you're... you're I think you... you your your outwardness, your honesty, you know, you're kind of just thinking out loud like that. I think it's good for other people who think who are thinking the same thing. You know, we can have assurance in knowing that that baptism is given for for us. The Lord's Supper is given for us. I mean, if salvation in and of itself is given for us, so are its assurances. You know, so we don't look at baptism as is saving us, or the Lord's Supper is saving us. Certainly not, or you know, uh, and we should abhor, you know, the the, uh, the Eucharist, the Mass, because of what it represents. You know, it's guised to be the Lord's Supper, but but it is certainly not. Um, so again, these things were given to us for our assurance. So let me let me put it let me just put it in perspective. It's not an issue of coming before God in obedience. The issue is is coming into God boldly into the throne of grace by faith trusting that God is not lifting up the back of his hand, you know, at you, getting ready just to, you know, just give Michael a what for, okay? Sure. The, the purpose is, is that Christ 
took that slap, that worse than that slap, Christ took the full wrath of God. Okay? Christ took the full wrath of God meant for your disobedience. Christ took that for you. And now when God looks upon his creation in Christ, he sees Christ. Now that is what is so loving about God, is that he has always desired for that for you personally, for you as an individual, because he thought of you, whomever the Holy Spirit is speaking to, God the Holy Spirit, you know, not the person, not the electric vibe or something, God opens your eyes to understanding that before the foundation of the world, he chose you. And so he wants you to know that you belong to him. And so not, not only does he give you the eyes to see and the ears to hear and salvation in and of itself through repentance unto forgiveness, okay, we repent and believe what? We repent that we're sinners, that we have fallen short, that we deserve the full wrath of God, but we believe that Christ and his completed work, meaning he kept the law perfectly, and his perfect sacrifice, the only sacrifice that God would actually accept, and he proves that by raising Christ from the dead back to life and giving him all authority, okay? So that's what we believe, that we have forgiveness, that we're totally forgiven, that we will walk into, you know, the throne room of God, the very, the very holy of holies, that he doesn't have the back of his hand raised to us, ready to strike us down. That's the whole point of the gospel. He stands there ready with arms open. The, 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 the story of the prodigal father. His right. son belonged to him the whole time. When he, before he left the house, when he left the house, when he was wallowing in his sin, and when he returned, he always belonged to his father. And that is what God is trying to assure his people of. That's what he's trying to tell his people. You belong to me. I love you. You are mine. I picked you from before the foundation of the world. And I had my son, my only son, pay the price for you. And see, that sets our eyes not only upon Christ, but then it frees us from the law in that now when I do good, you know, whether it be baptism, that, or it be Sabbath day, or it be exposing Antichrist, or it be, you know, uh, you know, bringing a potluck to my neighbor, or whatever, okay? Now we're freed from doing these good works to pleasing God. You know, because, it, what, Mike, think about it. If you're doing those things to please God, isn't it kind of a selfish motive? Aren't, aren't you re- you're not really doing it for that person. You're doing it for yourself. You're, sure. you're doing, I'm going to be nice to that person so that God likes me. Well, that's a selfish motive to see what Christ has done. Is he's freed you from that. Now you get to go and serve and love, your, you get to love God and love your neighbor knowing that you've been reconciled and that you're not doing those for yourself. You're doing those for them. Just freely giving them as God has freely given to you. You know, and, and why do we expose Rome? throughout history? Why do we expose the modern day, you know, heresy that's going on in, uh, you know, in America? I mean, all over the world, but you can say America's been kind of pumping, pumping out some pretty bad heresy, okay? I mean, why are we exposing all of that? Because what's freely been given to us, God freely gives to all of his children. And we're not God. We don't judge, you know, who is and who isn't. We don't withhold the gospel from anybody, it doesn't matter if they, they know what Sabbath day is or who Antichrist. We don't withhold the gospel from anybody because we are not God. We don't know man's heart. 
We don't know what, what, where they're at. We know this, that if they profess with their mouth the gospel of Jesus, okay, that's what we're unified under. That's what Paul said. I mean, let this, let, I mean, let, the, let this speak for itself. And Paul says, you know, remember he's being, I don't, well, actually, if you don't remember this, then let's go to the passage. But if you remember this, Paul's saying, you know, he's being personally provoked, you know, by, by some believers. And he mm-hmm. said, but, but I, don't, I don't really, that doesn't really matter to me because they're preaching the gospel. Okay, so even this personal issue that some people had with Paul, you know, Paul said, hey, look, it, that's irrelevant. Okay, let them, let them make my life miserable. I don't care. They're preaching the gospel. Okay, so we're unified under one body, under one headship of Christ, under the Bible, under all authority, and this simple fact, the gospel, what it is. And the, the gospel is certainly being perverted today. It's being, you know, it's being turned into a salad buffet of something you can choose, something you can have if you want it, try, try it on for size, you know, just take a little, you know, like those Baskin-Robbins, you know, little mini spoons, you know, you just try this flavor over here. And Jesus is just one of those flavors, you know. It, no, that is not the gospel. The gospel is this, that for sinners who, by the Holy Spirit, the, the working and the will, the good pleasure of God, you, you speaking God's Word, professing what God has written down, and preaching the gospel of, of uh, Christ crucified for the forgiveness of sins unto all nations, unto every creature, that right there, and that's walking by faith, because you're saying, God, I know that you're able. I mean, I, I know that simply using your words to reach your people is not only possible, but it's what you've promised to do. So I will simply do that by faith. I, I know that you did it for me. I will simply do that in faith. And you're freed. You're freed from, you know, uh, all the laws that, you know, cults come up with, false religions come up with, you know, anti-Christianity comes up with. Uh, you're freed from, and by the way, those are all unified under, you know, the opposing Christianity. You know, even, even atheism is all branched under, you've, got two, you've only got two options, essentially, is what I'm getting at. And all we simply do is we just simply tell the truth, and God opens eyes as he wills it. Well, here's, that's, all we, that's what we get to do. Now, we look at grace alone, that we're saved by grace of God alone, and not by anything we do. So we look at God, and so I've been researching for a long time and coming to terms with this whole triune God, the Trinity. If you have anything say your concept of God is anything other than the triune God, the Trinity, uh, is that an issue? That God that you believe in that's not the Trinity or the triune God cannot be the same God that's in the Bible. And therefore, therefore, if you don't believe in the Trinity, I know this is a bold statement that's going to offend people, and especially people who have been on this show, and, you know, it would have been fed me uh, uh, two months ago as well. I had to really wrestle with this. I've been wrestling with this Trinity thing for quite a while. But it finally comes to the realization that if I really do believe in... Uh, this, is how, this is how I see it. If you really believe in the triune God of the Bible, then you will buy into saved by grace through faith alone. And Scripture, Scripture alone. If you don't believe in that, and I might be projecting, and it might be unfair of me to say this, but from what I see for myself and others, 
if you don't accept the triune God, the Trinity, then you will fall into works. You will fall into something like what I've seen in myself and others say about the Sabbath. That somehow that's a a Salvatic issue. If you don't keep the Sabbath on a Saturday and that you're not not a real Christian or... um, Many other issues, but that's one thing I noticed in particular. Um, am I right about that? Is it just me projecting? What are your observations about that? Well, well, honestly, I mean, I think pretty. I think scripture is pretty clear on. Again, Trinity is not. It's not found in the Bible. It's not. It, but it is a word used historically, and again, on both sides, you have, you know. Uh, Catholicism using the word you have you know you know apostolic you know uh, early church using the term as well but essentially we simply go off of what scripture says you know that that is our approach and so what we can't understand about the Trinity or you know as the Bible puts it the Godhead what, what we can't understand about it well if it's not in scripture then God didn't see fit for us to fully understand it and anyone who comes claiming to fully understand God in three persons as one, all you know, as one God, if anyone comes with some new, you know, understanding or something like that, then you can just already, you know, know right out of the gate they're full of baloney because we we trust in Scripture and Scripture alone. And so what Scripture tells us is what we go off of. And so we know that this essentially the verses in a this is. You know, maybe we should retitle the show just Ryan rambling on and on and on about random topics. But essentially, you know, Trinity, I mean, that's you can go, we can go down that whole road. But essentially, I'll put it like this. The Bible subscribes, you know, what we might refer to as the Trinity or the Godhead as God as three persons in one. You know, and uh, if we wanted to, if you wanted to get into that, that's, we don't have to go into detail. We don't have to go into detail. Okay. 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 That's a whole show in itself. I, <laughs> I started. I, I just mean, started. I just did a recording prior to this on the Trinity. I, I'm like, wow, this is like something you just can't pound into somebody in two hours. Uh, it is a concept that's hard to grasp, and uh, it really is. And it's, I don't think that you know. Being hard to grasp, I don't think equates to not being saved. I just think that's, but um, flat out rejecting it and saying no, and for us and saying, you know, uh, well, I believe the Holy Ghost is, or the Holy Spirit is a power, not, uh, you know, part of the Godhead and a. and it's more than the Spirit. Christ calls him him and he. I mean, we know this. Um, the Holy Spirit is a is a person. As a personage, it is more than just a power. Anyways, my point in all that is, is what I see. If you, what I'm seeing for myself, maybe that's what I should say. By me embracing the Trinity, ironically, makes it much more easier for me to, to accept the basics of the gospel as far as saved by grace or faith in Jesus Christ, you know, that it's grace alone and faith alone. And then uh, the scriptures totally change. 
and the meaning of the word the word of God totally changes. And but the thing is, is that coming to that term, uh, and I see a lot of folks like myself, maybe it's because you know rebellious rebellious spirits, and um, but I think also part of it is just not properly being discipled. What does it really mean to be a Christian? Because there's so many variances out there, and you can't have very. You know what? If Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and life, as I believe, then there's not many versions of it. This way, the truth, and life. There's only one. Well, see, okay, now that that that's well. See, I I understand that temptation. You know, man wants to think that that means that you know we've all got to agree upon. Isn't that what Roman Catholicism has tried to do? Isn't that what Mormonism tried to do? I mean, they literally wear the same shirts and pants. I mean, you you can spot, and you used to be a Mormon, you can spot them from a mile away because they they look alike. So (laughs) I think there's something like, you know, Kyle and, uh, you know, oh, come on, it'll come to me. I mean, they even got, like, similar names, you know, like Drexler and Kyle. (laughs) Anyway, I'm just, I mean... It seems like you can spot a Mormon from a mile away, and not just by what they're wearing, but just because of the culture and the environment that the church, the Mormon church, creates. Well, Roman Catholicism has its same thing. And my point is, is that they, it's man, it is the perfect religion for fallen man to create uh, unification in the form of outward appearances. Okay, it, and it, you know, actually, the body of Christ, the invisible church, uh, is is in fact from every tribe, every tongue, every nation, from, I would, I would say, we don't know, uh, because the heart of man is invisible, we don't know, uh, you know, that, that's not something outwardly seen. And I think it shows God's wisdom, uh, you know, it, it reveals the wisdom of God in that he doesn't let us build up our own towers of Babel and, you know, our own towers of, you know, unified, quote-unquote, outwardly unified religion. I think the reality is is exactly what Paul said. We are unified under one Christ, under one gospel, one faith, and that is, of course, the faith that has been given to us by God, not that you mustered up in your own strength to have. You know, that, see, that's how Hollywood and, uh, you know, false religion makes faith appear. You know, they just turn faith into courage, you know, or bravery. You know, but that's not how the Bible describes faith. It's, it's given by God to trust him. In other words, do I give my child, uh, do I give to my child trust as, as their father? Or is that something they choose to do? You know, is the, you know, my baby downstairs, you know, is he trusting me to give him or my wife to give him milk, you know, mm-hmm. or is he choosing, is he choosing that? Is he choosing to, you get what I'm saying here? That is given to us by God that faith is given to us by God, and so that is what we're proclaiming. That is what we're telling the world, like, hey, yeah, you can all wear the same, same shirts, or you can all go to the same fancy cathedrals, or you can all believe the same exact thing about, you know, uh, translation or that one. Pick your, pick your thing, man. I mean, all the denominations have. You know, where the coat rack goes in the church, or does it belong in the church, or is it the piano of Satan? I mean, just pick a pocket. Right. This is all man trying to create a perfect religion, or trying to say what unifies us, when the Bible makes it very clear. You know, we may, uh, uh, think of it this way, every child is different in your family. If you have kids, you, you or, you know, if you, you know, grew up with a, you know, 
everyone understands that there are different personalities and, and God is dealing with his people the same way, you know? And so, you know, whether or not you're Lutheran or Presbyterian or, you know, uh, Reformed Baptist, or uh, if you know the gospel of Jesus and you faithfully proclaim that as it's written down in scripture and not fantasized by you or reinvented by you, if you're preaching it as God delivered it to the saints once and for all, the gospel and who Christ is according to scripture, you know, then, and by the way, 1 Corinthians 15, you know, Paul tells us what the gospel is. And he says like two or three times, according to scripture, you know, what did Satan tell, or sorry, what did Jesus tell Satan when he was tempted in the wilderness? He says, okay, first Corinthians, uh, or the, the, the temptation passage. I uh, know the one about the first Corinthians about uh, what the gospel is. Since without the okay, main, the main objective of the show is today. Yes, what we were what we were shooting for. So first Corinthians fifteen. I'll start with verse one. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you. So boom, right out of the gate, what is Paul addressing? The gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received. So Paul's saying, I'm, I'm handing you the gospel in a nutshell. This is how it was given to me, okay? Mm-hmm. As I preached it to you. How that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, then of the, then of the twelve. After that, he was seen of about 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. After that, he was seen of James and of the apostles. And last of all, he was seen of me also, as one born out of due time. So Paul just gave us the gospel in a nugget. And I, I think it was twice, right? Was it twice? Yes, twice, he says, according to Scripture. Okay? This is the, the gospel as it was delivered to me. This is the gospel that I delivered to you, that I've preached to you. And that is this. That Christ died, he was buried, he rose again on the third day, that he was physically seen by Cephas and the Twelve and 500 more. He physically, literally rose. He bodily rose from the dead. Right. And so... What does that do for a sinner? I'll tell you what that does to the wicked. Not enough. <laughs> okay, I'll tell you what that does for the rebellious. Not enough. I want more than that. I want more than that. When, when Paul was describing his, he was asking God to remove that thorn in his side, which really could have been anything, because the guy had been beaten and shipwrecked and all sorts of, I mean, stoned. I mean, some theologians think it might have been an eye issue, but nevertheless, Paul saying, God, take this, you know, this from me. What, well, my grace is sufficient for you, Paul. Okay, now think of it this way. If this life is temporary and, and but a vapor, whatever we suffer in this life, Romans 8, is not, nothing compared to what we hope for, what we have in eternal life in Christ Jesus, okay? So to a sinner, the gospel is everything. The gospel is not only the forgiveness of sin, it's coming to know Christ, the true Christ of God. No, getting to see him and know him and walk with him. That it's about Christ. 
See, again, forgiveness is to get us off of ourselves. Okay, we repent. I'm a sinner. I sin. I'm not a sinner because I sin. I sin because I'm a sinner. It's my nature to sin. And until this flesh dies, I'll be contending with it. You know, And, and by the grace of God and through the work of the Holy Spirit, my flesh is chastened. But that isn't what saves me. That's just my assurance. That's something I, I can objectively look at and see, you know, by God's word and through the work that he's doing in my, in my life. That, that's it. I can't claim more than that because it's Christ's work. It's all pointing to Christ is what I'm getting at. He's doing the work in me. He gave me my salvation. It all goes to him. And for a sinner, that is everything. That is everything. For, the, for, for you know, again, for the rebellious, for the wicked, it's like, yeah, that's nice but I want more. I, I see. I want the outward stuff. I like how Egypt worshiped their God. They did it outwardly. Like everyone wear the same uniform and they all dance around the same pretty golden calf and stuff. I mean, you know, that's why Israel did that, by the way, they didn't learn that on their own. They didn't make that up. They, they learned that from where, where they came, you know, being delivered out of Egypt is symbolic, a, a type and shadow of us being delivered from the world. Right. You know, and in a sense, we're in the wilderness, you know, and the promised land is a type and shadow of eternal life with God. So that, you know, and knowing Christ as he is. So that the, the whole point here is, you know, the, the rebellious, they want more out of the gospel than just knowing Christ and having that. You know, ordinary, you know, Christianity is actually, uh, to most people, kind of mundane and ordinary. But when you actually read... Again, we'll just use the reformers as an example, but even before the reformers, that the Waldensians, you know, you read J.A. Wiley's book. I mean, these were happy people. They were not the Puritans, by the way, were not like boring, miserable people. That I mean, that's how it's, they're portrayed, you know, nowadays. But they were a delightful, thankful people, and they weren't fire and brimstone preachers. That was actually Methodist, you know, John Wesley and Charles Finney. Those were fire and brimstone preachers. The uh, the Puritans, although they had their branches of it, were reformed, meaning they were, most of them were Calvinists, you know, Presbyterians, uh, you know, Lutherans. Uh, they, they came out of the, the reformed camp, uh, right. pilgrims and Puritans. They were fleeing, Rome, uh, fleeing uh, Rome's persecution in Europe. So anyway, point being is that they, ha- they preached the gospel of God's forgiveness. And the only way we can understand forgiveness is having the law brought right up to our nose. But if all somebody does is bring you the law, you know, if they say, you know, it doesn't God deserve, I mean, you know, if God judged Israel this way, isn't God going to judge us that, you know, don't we deserve, you know, worse or at least the very same thing? Well, my answer to that would be, um, yes, we do deserve worse than what Israel got, but God delivered Israel every time and God will deliver us again. But what do you think the hour looked like before the Reformation? Just like now, God will deliver his people. It was even worse. It was was even worse then. So, I mean, let's face it. It was the Dark Ages. It was people were being killed for reading the Bible. We we still have that opportunity to read the Word of God. So we're not even close to what it is. It's a different time, really. Yeah, it's very apostate, and it's very confusing out there, and you know, it's, but uh, it's a different time. It's a different situation. Um, 
you know, back well, then, I would people, say that, people were not allowed to read the Bible, question the papacy, question the, basically the priest class uh, and what they did, um, and were all under the mark. And it wasn't, I, not all, but most, those who, you know, broke away were obviously, they were persecuted. And, but, um, to death. God has always delivered his people out of sin. So, you know, whether it be Roman Catholicism or atheism or, and again, that's not to make light of, you know, uh, trust me, that, I, that is not making, that's just, it's just not emphasizing the point in a major way in this specific conversation. Right. But, you know, again, I, I totally side with the reformers and the proto-Protestants, the ones who came before them. I think the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, literally made it very clear. But that isn't to say that we don't have other religions to contend with, especially in America, where Protestants are claiming, you know, things that are not either Protestant or Christian or biblical. So, you know, that may that is the issue we have to deal with to, today. Oh, you know, yeah. That, you know, it, our, it's our issues are gospel in whatever form. You know they're different, but you know, uh, but uh, almost even more devastating because it's the confusion. Yeah, but yes. back then, back yes. then, five hundred years ago, the confusion came down to you know <laughs> it was whether or not Roman Catholicism, the papacy, was legit or not, and the issues were back to the basics. You know, was it is saved by grace alone? And is it saved by faith and grace? Excuse me, saved by grace and faith alone, and scripture, scripture alone, uh, or is the Roman Catholic Church the authority? Now, okay, well, everybody, okay, every, everybody has their own opinion about everything, and now it's like this is what it comes down to. Um, and it's not, I don't see it necessarily that, that that that's. I think everyone should have, should have the right to have their own opinion, go any direction they want to go. Uh, but I think that what happened with our day and age is that the whole simplicity of the gospel, the average Christian has not been taught it. I'm a walking example of it, and I'm not alone. I'm not alone in that. I mean, that's I'm seeing that in everybody I run across. You know, they might disagree with me, at it, but if we were taught properly the simple truths of the gospel, would there be? There's a natural consequence, and that is there wouldn't be so much confusion out there. And it's not about religion anymore. It's not about man organizations. But if people knew the true teachings of Jesus Christ. And it had an option to actually choose. Most people never get that. I know this. I look at my own self and how much of a struggle it got to me for me to get to this point. Being raised a Mormon and all these other things, and I never was taught the true gospel. Never. It is only now in my life that's even happening. That's the truth. It goes back to what this well, whole the gospel, show is about. The gospel, you know, why the gospel is Go ahead. Go ahead. Please, please, go ahead. No, that's why we have this show. We're calling it Why Christians Need to Hear the, the Gospel. Because you know what? We actually, most of us have never heard it. And when I say most, I'm not saying, you know, 51% of us. I'm saying that 
it's more like a 90% thing, you know what I mean? It's gone. It's, and uh, there's an immense confusion, and it does lead you away from... I mean, I understand God is bigger than us, and he, he sorts things out, and, you know, he has forgiveness and he compassion, and he will, you know, uh, he forgives us for our errors and, and our ignorance. But, um, but you know, you hear what I'm saying? I know for me, I mean, I had to work really hard to even get to this point, even accept, even uncomprehend, saved by grace and faith in Jesus Christ, or even to try to even start to comprehend the Trinity, or, you know, these simple, basic doctrines of Christianity. Um, and most of us are in that boat. I really believe that. Yeah. Well, and the, the the gospel is what's being see that, and the results that you see around you, Michael, the the things that we that probably you know I, I call it the fear porn movement, the thing that kind of pulled us all into you know asking questions and all that you know when's you know who's the antichrist or you know when's the seven year tribulation uh, is there fluoride in my water all that that stuff that brought us to asking their, the, these questions. It essentially comes down to, you know, this is why God makes the gospel really simple. So that, first of all, it can be easily understood uh, that there's no excuse for man, that there's no justification away from it, that there's no, you know, oh, man, it was really complex, it was so hard to follow, or anything like that. But it's also for our benefit in that it's it's simple to live by, it's simple to share, it's simple to be reminded of. It's almost like God is speaking to his children and giving them a very simple command. This is, it's like telling your kid, I love you. You know, it's like telling, you know, your, your, your uh, child, this is what you deserve, but instead price has been paid for you. And, and, and this, this is the concept that we have to get in our heads because any other lens, okay. Remember Jesus said, you know, if it, if it, if it, if it's a, uh, you know, fruit that goes bad, if, essentially if it's bad fruit, then it, it came from a bad root. Um, well, now you understand what the root is, and that's, that's Christ himself. The, the, the very gospel is the root. And so any lens or any approach you take to Scripture or even history has to come through the lens of the gospel. It has to. Otherwise, you're gonna, it's going to turn into a cult. The fruit is going to end up becoming legalism or works-based salvation. You know, how it crept into the Protestant churches, by the way, is that they said, okay, you know, yes, we believe God chose you. In other words, they, they held to, you know, uh, the doctrines of grace that, as Paul the Apostle preached, that God is the one who chooses, not man, not the will of man, as John 1 says. You know, it's not a flesh, but it's by the Spirit. It's God who's doing the work and choosing. And, you know, I, I don't want to get into the Arminianist, Calvinist debate, but the doctrines of grace simply state that God is the one choosing according to his good pleasure and will. Now, where did the apostasy in the Protestant church come in? Well, through sanctification. So God saved, God saved me. I'm a Calvinist. I'm, you know, you know, I, that's it. I, you know, I'm now, now it's all settled for me. But, but in order to maintain my salvation, you know, in order to keep in good, you know, God's good graces, you know, in order for God to be happy with me, I must through sanctification or after salvation, you know, become moral and become this and that, and start law-keeping, okay? This is how it crept into the Protestant church. 
And again, go back to uh, the Reformers or even earlier if you want. The Reformation is a great shining bright light for us, you know, especially since it's, it's nearer to our time than 2,000 years ago. But God's Word shines even brighter and tells us what to set our eyes upon and what to fix. And, that, and basically, by the way, just to sum up the Reformation, that's what they were telling us to do. To, to, here's the Gospel, here's Christ, and then look at how the Holy Spirit uh, backed up these, these men, okay? Backed up, you know, this was a move of the Holy Spirit, the Reformation was, to get the Bible in, in, into more languages and into everyone's hands, and now you've got it on your iPhone and on your computer, and you can have a hardback, leatherback, you know. You know, you can have it any which way you want it, in any language you want, in any translation you want. You know, and by the way, not all translations are good, so, you know, heads up there. But see, this is why we have to be established in what the gospel is and be reminded of it because, you know, sometimes you're not going to feel like you're a very good Christian. And that's, that's, that's the Holy Spirit convicting you, which is what he was sent to do, you know, and, and God will convict you, you know, through the Holy Spirit, you know, that, that's part of the process, but he'll also comfort you with the gospel. So, you know, if, if I have not been, you know, loving towards my wife as Christ loves the church, now live up to that one. Just that one alone. Focus on that the rest of your life, you know, and you fail at everything else, and even that I can't achieve. You get what I'm saying? So I realize, you know, I'm not loving my wife as Christ loves the church, you know, but I also am comforted by the fact that of, by the gospel itself, and it's the lens and the moniker in which I pursue or look at anything. It, it humbles me, but it also you know, in exalting Christ and lifting up Christ and saying he's the one who's done all the work, I am uplifted in that. The more I praise him, the more I point to him, the more I proclaim him and profess him, the more encouraged I am. You know, when I'm brought down by my sin, I'm brought back up by proclaiming him. Just read David in the Psalms. That's what David was singing the, the, the gospel. You know, his, his praise for the law it was simply because after salvation and through sanctification, we realize that God's law is good for us. Meaning, thou shalt not murder. Okay, I haven't murdered anyone. I'm not guilty of sin. What do I need Jesus for? Well, Jesus said if you, have, if you hate your brother without a cause, then you, you're guilty of murder. If you lust after a woman in your heart, you've committed adultery. Uh, oops, okay, I've done both those things. All right, so I've broken the law, and if I've broken one of them, I've broken all of them. I stand condemned as a sinner. Now, who is my salvation? And who does salvation belong to? Right. There you go. And so, so, so I'm brought down, but I'm then also restored by the gospel. And that's why I need to hear it continually, often, every, every day, in fact, to be honest with you. It's, right, we should read our scripture, but we shouldn't be reading our scripture in order to please God, you know, so he'll be happy. When I didn't do my devotions today. That was the era I grew up in, by the way, the 90s and you know, it's like you had to do like a, you had those little, you know, youth group book style. You know, they were, you know, designed to be like really culturally cool. And, you know, so if you were caught out in public with it, you wouldn't be, you know, embarrassed. You know, but you had these little devotionals or whatever and uh, all full of garbage. Most of it, you know, now understanding scripture is sufficient. And if it's not pointing to Christ, then it's pointing to myself or some other leader or whatever. And the point is, is, you know, that becomes a work in and of itself. And that, that's not how, here, I have a good example. My, my father-in-law, 
my father-in-law, we were talking about this the other day. You know, when I was younger, my dad would say, hey, go get me my cup of coffee, please. And so, you know, being a son, you know, do as dad says, he goes and gets a cup of coffee, you know. He'd rather be out playing with his friends or he'd be, you know, he'd rather be doing something else than, you know, getting his dad's cup of coffee. But, you know, when he got older, you know, and uh, and more mature and, and understood his dad better and so on and so forth, you know, the, his dad says, hey, son, you know, want to grab me a cup of coffee? You know, he gets up and does it because he wants to. You know, it's not it's not an act of obedience at that point. It's an act of love and admiration for his father. And so that this is kind of the analogy here that the gospel is to be bringing us to this. And by the way, if anyone thinks I'm going off the deep end here, overemphasizing the gospel, you got to understand this was prophesied to happen all the way back in the Old Testament. You know, and it's confirmed for us in in Hebrews and and uh, in Paul's epistles to the churches that this very thing that's prophesied to happen, that claiming Christ and Him alone by Scripture alone for God's glory alone, you know, by faith alone, grace alone, all that stuff is is based fully in Scripture, and it it was prophesied to happen. You know, so our 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 offensive weapon is. The Word of God, the, the truth, the the, uh, the the gospel itself, you know, and our defensive weapon is repeat and rinse and repeat, or you know, you know. Sorry, I messed that whole thing up, but you get what I'm saying. It, it's it's simple. It's simple. It's just it, we are to apply it as simply as that. And guess what? Keeping the Sabbath and and preparing the animal sacrifices in the Old Testament, guess what? That was mundane and simple to Israel back then. In fact, it was so mundane and simple that they perfected it. And by the time Christ actually came, you know, on earth, the Pharisees had, like, not only mastered it, but had begun adding and subtracting to it. And guess what we've done in our time? You know, and by the way, again, this is man has not changed, God has not changed. Man still needs a Savior just as much as he did 6,000 years ago, you know, 8,000 years ago, as he does today. And, right. and man is doing the same thing with the gospel that, you know, man has done, a Jew or Gentile, doesn't matter, what man has done with the, the, the uh, Ten Commandments, with the written ordinances uh, that were, by the way, given to Israel. Did Israel choose God, you know, or did God choose Israel? as an example, as a type and shadow for us, you know? But anyway, point being is, is this wasn't, this wasn't offered to, this is not something that everyone else could keep. I mean, literally Goliath mocked, you know, how Israel worshiped God, how they kept, you know, in keeping with the covenant, how they honored God through all that he had commanded, right? Well, okay, so now for us Christians today, the gospel is mocked, you know, it's twisted and perverted, you know, like the golden calf or, you know, like people professing Christianity to be nuts and stupid and all that. So it's all really kind of very similar in the sense that the Old Testament is types and shadows, and today we see man doing the same thing. That's why we need to be reminded of the gospel, okay? Think about the fact that animal how animal sacrifices and Sabbath-keeping and all that was done in the Old Testament, okay? Now, just apply the gospel there, okay? Apply having this model of one day of rest and, and, and uh, you know, studying Scripture and 
setting time aside in your life, you know, to rest spiritually and being fed the Word of God, hearing faithful preaching, you know, uh, serving the body of Christ and being served by the body of Christ. You know, part of the reason why we're downtrodden, Mike, is for two reasons, that we, you know, uh, you know, fellowship is very important, you know, and I have to, I, I will say that a lot of my fellowship is, is with people from like hundreds of years ago. <laughs> you know? I mean, I, I read, I read good sermons by Spurgeon, you know, and, and Jonathan Edwards and things like that. But guess what? There are modern day preachers who, uh, God has not yet opened their eyes, uh, to understand certain things yet and, or he doesn't, he won't, you know, but the, if the gospel is being preached, then, you know, that's, uh, you know, it's a, it might be a rebellious brother, you know, it might be a, you know, who knows? We don't, we can't look in the inward part of man, but I, I will say that if they are preaching the gospel, that's a good place. You know, I've heard some Lutherans preach the gospel really well, and they, they're obsessed with, you know, distinguishing properly between law and gospel. And it's so edifying. In fact, I, I'll send you some, you know, I'll give them to you. And if you want to, you know, ever play them or send them out to people who might ask, you know, yeah, absolutely. They preach the gospel. Baptists, uh, you know, they're they are out there preaching not just law, you know, because you don't want to fall into that trap. You know, Presbyterians. There are people out there. There are the remnant. There are faithful. You know, as proof of God, the Holy Spirit being faithful to us, He has preserved people who are preserving and holding to the gospel. And yet, we are still contending with our sin, people. You know, I mean, Martin Luther was not perfect. John Calvin was not perfect. Paul the Apostle was not perfect. But all that God has written and outlined for us in his word and and visible to us throughout history, you know, it should edify us and encourage us to know that the gospel is real, that Christ, you know, is real, that the church is real and vibrant and alive, not because of its good works or because of its, you know, obedience but because God is faithful to us and God has preserved that for us. So I used to be totally freaked out by any notion, you know, of it, like it, like it, it could have been the smallest infraction if, you know, even if it was a great gospel Christ centered sermon right out of scripture and not philosophical, this or that. And the guy, you know, you know, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know how to apply an analogy here. So, you know, uh, hey, uh, we probably should drink uh, soda. Uh, we should. Oh, do we need to cut it off? Well, I, I want people to listen to this, and if they have it too long, they probably won't. Oh, oh you know what I mean. So, totally. I don't know, let's let's have some. Give us some of your closing comments about the gospel, and we'll end this this show. Hopefully, you do this again. So, uh, I, uh, okay, you know, because uh, you do have a lot to share, my friend, and you have. Uh, why not? You know, people need that they listen to the show. Do need to hear the gospel. It's I am doing all injustice if they don't hear it. If all I'm doing is exposing the Antichrist and how bad the papacy is and how you know Rome created Islam, or I've totally failed. So I really recognize the importance of this this show. Probably this show, believe it or not, whether we were 
you could say you rambled on or whatever, but it's I don't buy into that. Um, but you know what? Probably the most important show we've done yet. So that's the reality. <laughs> so, well, I, I I feel that way because you know I my I my my bad habit is to kind of just go any which way my mind goes, and you know. But the the if anything, if if closing and and you know just if all look, it's about Christ revealing Himself to you and you being drawn to him. And that happens by hearing the gospel and by hearing the word of God. And so I just, you know, my biggest issue in all that I've learned and all, you know, that I agree with the reformers on and and some of the stuff that I'm still working out. I mean, I'll tell you this, historic Christianity convicts me, man. I mean, they make me look like, you know, like trash. I mean, these are some people who lived, you know, very, very God-centered lives, and it's very convicting. But we also, you know, have to recognize that God is in control, and be reminded that He, that Jesus Christ, is ruling and reigning at the right hand of God even now. And He, when He decides, you know, to deliver more people, you know, uh, to deliver nations, to it's all under His control. And and He uses Satan as an instrument in that He will judge people and. And uh, and do that all according to He is sovereign. He is in control. We have the freedom. We get to freely walk about this earth, even if we're persecuted, even if we are tried, even if we are put to death. Until then, we get to walk freely in Christ, knowing that we have been forgiven our sins. We've been reconciled to know God through Christ Jesus. And and more and more of Him is revealed the more and more you read Scripture in context. You know. And, uh, and let that just be that, you know, Christians need to hear the gospel because we are still sinners. And when the gospel gets away from us, you know, just think of the parable of Jesus. Some are, you know, seated in, you know, good soil and others sandy and rocky soil and, and thorny soil. That, that, there's your context. We need to be reminded of the gospel to keep our eyes on Jesus, you know, because we've been commanded to preach the gospel, you know, because it, it automatically exposes falsehoods. You know, and it edifies the church. It, it it helps us through tough times to to hear about Christ and the gospel and and how good and and gracious He has been to us, even to this day, even in this appearing to us that appears to a dark hour, but to Christ is nothing. It's our only hope. It's our only answer. So that's the reality. So yeah. And so, Amen. well, I really do appreciate you spending this time with us. Um, those who, sh- who showed up and were the guests that uh, came in and out, and uh, guests too, guests stuck it out. Um, you know, thank you. Uh, I hope you got something out of it as much as I did. Um, and hopefully, Brian, we do this more often because I really do feel that it's important. So I don't know. Maybe next time, you said you read a lot of these sermons. Maybe you could read a sermon to us too. You know, from from the old, uh, the uh, old. Oh, reforms. totally. I would totally. You know, that would oh, be yeah. kind of cool. No, you know? oh, that would be a lot of fun. Plus, it would keep me time, by the way. Because <laughs> <laughs> most of those are maybe a half hour or so, and they're straight to the point. Like, you know, again, Spurgeon, uh, oh, man, you just got me going again. So why don't we just end it there because it's a All great right. idea. And you stay on. You, stay on and, uh, you just stay on. I'm just going to end this, the recording. Okay. All right, folks. God bless you. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. (laughs) 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.